Good morning. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. Um, good, morning. good morning. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Um, Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. Today is September 25th, Sunday, 2022. Glad everybody's here. Did you break? Sorry for all the scary emails yesterday. Uh, a group of us, Sandy Hughes and Terry Ewan, and I went up to. Los Ranchos Los Ranchos Presbyteries Presbytery meeting, which was at Canyon Hills Presbyterian Church, which is actually in Anaheim Hills, which is my neck of the woods. When we moved out from Massachusetts to California in 1989, uh, I lived right at the corner of 55 and the 91, so that's kind of my home stomping ground. So we were up there, and we were in a, the Presbytery meeting first starts with a devotional, like for an hour, you learn about something, and then you move into the sanctuary, and then they do a service, and you, we were hearing highlights from Montreat, which is their youth retreat, and the, the speaker, the same speaker from an hour earlier, um, as he's preaching, we notice there's just helicopters flying out, <laughs> it sounds like they're landing on the, on the church, you know, the roof, we're like, oh. We live a block from Main Street in Huntington Beach, and so that's just a Saturday. 
<laughs> so I was just like, I'm used to this noise. So I thought it was like news helicopters or something. I don't know. And then after the sermon is delivered, the pastor of the church, Lisa, she got up to the mic and she said, um, I'm going to do the, I'm scheduled to do the prayers of the people, but I'm also going to give an announcement. We were just notified by the Anaheim police that there is one or two people with guns that have just robbed big lots and hiding somewhere on our campus or the campus next door. And so she starts praying. I text Malia, Malia emails out the whole church, and you guys are all praying for us. So thank you very much, each and every one of you. Peace was in the building. And it was kind of, um, and then after the prayer, benediction to the service, and there's restrooms, and we had snacks from breakfast. So everybody handed out breakfast bars, and instead of like doing part of the meeting and then breaking for lunch, we just said, okay, we're locked in this building. Let's do the whole meeting. And so we flew through the presbytery meeting because some of the people couldn't get in, uh, you know, because there was, and I didn't know any of this until afterwards, but I'll walk you through. Um, and so then Lisa gets back up at the end of the service and uh, at the end of Presbytery, which is record time done, and says, just notified that they, the suspects have probably been apprehended, but we're supposed to stay put, just move to the fellowship hall and eat our lunches. And um, anybody not planning on eating lunch should probably just hang out for a second. And as she's announcing this, someone comes in the back. They caught him. And so um, she comes back up on the mic and says, everybody just hang tight for a couple more minutes, and um, we'll be dismissed, and everybody will go home. And um, turns turns out, I looked at news this morning. Um, it was a couple. They were 18 years old, youngins, and uh, they had robbed big lots with not even a real gun and they were hiding in the dumpster that we were parked like six feet away from yeah so I came out of we came out of the church when we were dismissed and it looked like the set of Die Hard you remember the you remember how the every cop car the whole it looked like a it looked like the fairgrounds just filled. Like you couldn't walk. There were so many cop cars, and they had that big black uh, SWAT vehicle with the monster tires and stuff. And we were just grateful. So thank you for covering us and blanketing us in prayer. Um, and Lisa kept kind of making jokes. Welcome to the um, Saint, what's the Canyon Hills lockdown, please? You know, she was she was making light of the situation, but also just bringing in peace because. It was under control, and we serve a mighty God that was watching out. And Terry was like, let's pray for these, whoever these culprits are, you know. So I like our session. I like our team. Got a couple announcements. One of them is next week. Got a lot going on. Actually, this Tuesday, be praying. We're about to finish our vision statement. And if you knew what that meant to me, you'd stand standing ovation. Like... <laughs> This is a long, like, if COVID hadn't hit, this day would have happened two years ago. Um, I've been here three years. My plan, anyway, we're about to have a point, like a point, like a mission, <laughs> like where we're going to go, where God's going to bring us, like why are we here, what we're doing, 
the heart behind which we're going to be doing stuff. So be in prayer over Tuesday. Sunday, it's World Communion next Sunday, World Communion Sunday, which means bring all your breads from around the world. Sharon will lead us, and we have the table down here, and we'll just put a spotlight on the truth that we serve a God that is worldwide, right? Who celebrates culture with us. Anywho. And then afterwards, we got soup. We're going to be selling women's ministries, those soup jars, but there's also going to be plenty of soup um, to be had by all. So we'll have soup. And then Operation Christmas Child, we're actually going to be having a packing party, which is fun. You know, you fill up. So we get filled up by soup, kind of homey, you know, and then we minister to people that need simple stuff. Making these kids around the world's Christmas like means something. It's fun. Um, and then feel free to come back at 5 to 7. We're going to eat, and we're going to pray, and we're going to worship. And I'll probably, we'll be camping out and praising God and walking through our vision page. So anybody who's around who wants to come back, join us. What are we, we're going to eat more soup probably. I don't know. We'll, we'll pray about that. Um, let's stand. And I'll give us a call to worship, which comes from Psalm, Psalm 91. I'm going to read from verses 4 to 6 in the, out of the Passion Translation. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by night or by day, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Let's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth.
children's message. Good morning. Remember what we talked about last week? What? Oh, good job, Carter. Yes, it was about the sheep and the shepherd. And I know you're still studying the 23rd Psalm, and so you're still hearing more about sheep and shepherds. So you get a little bit more from me. I brought some of my flock with me today. A little, oh goodness, they do that, don't they? And that just fits right in with my story, too. But I want to see how much you know about sheep. (laughs) That one is determined to run away. That's also part of my message. Who knows what the male sheep is called? Anybody out there know? A ram, yes. How about the female? You, very good, very good. And the baby is called? A lamb. Right, okay, we've got to make sure we have all of these. And you know, in the country of New Zealand, there are more sheep than there are people. Like for every person, there's 10 sheep. So that is a country full of sheep. But you know, these sheep are little. They don't have any means to protect themselves. They don't have sharp claws. They don't have sharp teeth. They can't run fast. So who do they depend on to take care of them? Very good, thank you. The shepherd. The shepherd is the one who looks after them in all things. And as we read that psalm, he takes them to green pastures, which means they get plenty of good food to eat, because otherwise they might eat just anything that's out there. He takes them to fresh streams of water, because, you know, with all that heavy wool on them, if they got in a stream of water that was flowing too fast, it could knock them down and they wouldn't be able to get up because their wool weighs so much. And so the shepherd makes sure he has just the right grass and the right kind of water. If the bugs are bothering them, he puts a medication on them so the bugs will leave them alone. But sheep also are not known for being really, really smart. And so they might wander away. They might just decide to go check something over there and then just keep on going, and they get lost. And that's up to the shepherd, too, to make sure that that sheep does not get lost or does not get hurt. So if a sheep gets lost, what happens? Who has to go rescue it? Yes. And Jesus, Jesus said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep 
and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And that's the same thing that Jesus as our shepherd does. If one of us starts to wander off the path, or go in a wrong direction, our shepherd says, no, you are mine. You are my precious sheep, and I will take care of you, and I will bring you home. Now, I have a whole bunch of sheep here, and I got a whole lot more at home, but you know what? One of my little sheep is lost. Who can see where my little lost sheep is. Okay, go get, go get the lost sheep. <laughs> okay, she found the lost sheep, and so what does everybody do? They rejoice. Yes. <laughs> the lost sheep has been found and is back with all the others. And that's how Jesus, as our shepherd, treats us. If anybody wanders, Jesus brings them home and rejoices. So just know you always have that shepherd looking after you. And if you ever wander off the path, that shepherd is going to bring you back because you are beloved. So let's do a prayer, and then you can go to class. Oh, Jesus, we, we love you as the shepherd. We love the image of us being these crazy little sheep and you being the one who looks after us. We thank you that you love us so much and care for us and that we can trust you to lead us and guide us all the way through our life. Now guide these students into their classroom and guide the lesson that they will hear today, that they may learn more about you and love you even more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may go to class.
First John, we read, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We know that we sin. Trusting in God's mercy, let us confess our sin against God and neighbor. Eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins, and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts, cleanse us from all our offenses and deliver us from proud thoughts and vain desires, that with reverent and humble hearts we may draw near to you, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace, and finding in you our refuge and strength. Through Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Remember, you are chosen by Christ who reconciles you to God. Do not shift from the hope of the gospel, for in Jesus Christ you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Down to 
me of another thing that's happening next week. The choir is going to be back. Round of applause. Yes, I think that's, that's, I can't wait. That's another piece of the puzzle that's coming back together. That's excellent. Today's the finale of uh, our series on Moses. And just to catch us up to speed, um, where we're going to end this is just after the Exodus event. We've learned that Moses was not Not the varsity, like he, he messed up. He made mistakes like you and I. Out of the gate, he murders somebody. You remember? And then God meets him in exile and teaches him through his father-in-law, teaches him all these lessons about how he's in control. Um, meets him at the burning bush. I think that's what we talked about last week, his call. Um, and... Now we study the first psalm of the Bible. And the Exodus event has just happened. And just to remind you, this was the last word in the covenant call. It was uh, Exodus chapter 14, 13 and 14. And I think it's up there. Yeah, there it is. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm And see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to keep still. Huge lesson right there before we go into our first psalm. So... God tells Moses, don't take it in your own hands. Sit still, let me handle this. The Exodus event happens and they go across the Red Sea and then the Red Sea closes and takes out Egypt. Remember, God just said, and you'll never see them again. We'll talk about that in a second. Our text for this morning, 15, starting in verse 1. Then Moses... And the Israelites sang to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, 
for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he cast into the sea. His picked officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew your adversaries. You sent out your fury. It consumed them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will, dis- I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in splendor, doing wonders? You stretched out your hand. The earth swallowed them. In your steadfast love, you led, you led the people whom you redeemed. You guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples heard they trembled. Pang seized the inhabitants of Felicia. The chiefs, then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed, trembling, seized the leaders of Moab. And all the inhabitants of Canaan melted away. Terror and dread fell upon them. By the might of your arm, they became still as stone until your people, O Lord, passed by. Until the people whom you acquired passed by. You brought them in and planted them on the mountain of your possession. The place, O Lord, that you made your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, speak through me. Use my word. Uh, use my mouth to speak your words. My, my words fall to the ground and be forgotten forever. May your words penetrate the hardest of hearts and change forever. And all God's people said, okay. First hymn. Note that even before we study this first hymn, the first response of Moses and the people is to what? Praise God. To lift up their voices as one and praise God. But I'll come back in an application. Now let's start looking at this. Actually, before we start looking at it, we notice another thing. Where does it happen? In the world. They don't build a church. They don't build a place. It happens out in God's creation. 
Remember, we learned that huge lesson over COVID when we were meeting out there in our cars and on the grass and stuff. Mark Lackey has done a couple of children's messages about it, how this place is a shell. We are the church, right? Right out of the gate, we learned that lesson. We see that right in this text, the first hymn. Out in the world, it's in response to God's power and his might. And their first response is to sing. And they're out there. Okay. What do we learn in this song? Worship is about God. Right? Dennis Prager in his commentary on Exodus, he says, Moses plays no active role at all. It's God, right? Worship is about God. Sorry to throw you under the bus, Charlotte. But as we started singing, How Great Is Our God, who was the first person in this room to stand? Charlotte Amont, who was just brought through this miracle of a surgery, right? How great is our God. Amen? Amen. I got a bone to pick with people that have problems with contemporary worship. Because I have, I, I, got a, I got news for you. Who's that worship about? God, how dare you shut your mouth? How dare you say, this song isn't worth my voice? No, this song's about the God that is worth every ounce of your voice. C.S. Lewis uh, once, he noted, I was going by one of these contemporary worship services, and I was noticing the music was terrible. And they were just repeating over and over the same thing. And he gets back to his house, and he's talking to God about it, and God says, shame on you, C.S. Lewis. He probably didn't say his first name. Claude, he probably called him Claude because that was his first name. Shame on you, Claude. You're the one robbed of the experience of that worship. I am worthy. They're to be envied by you. They are praising me. They are exactly doing what they're supposed to do, what they were built to do. You're missing it. And C.S. Lewis from then on said, hey, I'm going to sing any song that says God's good. Right? Can we say that as a church? Any song that put up there that says anything good about God, sing it. Don't get over yourself. Oh, man. And that, that not only just you, that's just, I had, it's not only PCs, it's, I got a bone to pick with this huge, they called it worship wars. There's nothing worse in the world than that title. There isn't. How could the church of God, the church defined by the God they worship, be fighting on how they say that worship? And we've had the, just the, did you know there were fights because when the first hymnals were put out? Of course there were. Why? Why do you think? Because there's different tunes. 
They were like, no, that hymn doesn't go like that. That hymn goes, boom, 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 not boom, 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 boom. You know, like they're, they're, get over your ourselves. That's the, like, the, oh, man. Okay, that's it. I'm just done yelling. Hymns, songs, psalms, they're about God. They're not about us. They're not about our musical preferences. They're about the God they're written to. Okay, enough of that yelling. Sorry about that. Then, a huge theme is it celebrates God's victory over evil. We're studying Revelation as men in our um, daytimers Bible study. And Revelation 20, chapter 10, is towards the end of the Revelation, of John's Revelation. And it's where Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. And it says he burns in sulfur forever and ever. And we got some wise men in that group. One of those wise men says, you know what sulfur's about? As long as there's sulfur and as long as there's oxygen, that sulfur will feed off that oxygen and you don't have to relight it. It burns hotter and hotter and hotter. What's that about? God's victory over evil means no more evil. Right? I long for the day that cancer gets its due. I long for the day that dementia gets burned up forever and ever and ever. I long for the day when God's victory over evil sets the world right. But there is a moral dilemma in this hymn, in this first psalm. And you've probably noticed it. There was a couple people wincing when I'm saying, you know, he celebrates not only victory over evil, he celebrates the death of people evil people. That's a moral dilemma, is it not? <laughs> Some people say, nope. <laughs> and that's, actually, I've been in preparation, I've asked, you know, is it okay to celebrate the death of evil people? A couple, I've asked a couple of people, and there's been a unanimous, absolutely not. It, it, I mean, absolutely, yes. You can, you can celebrate the death of evil people. For the Jewish folk, it's not that simple. Over the years, they had the Talmud, you know, like the the, um, the other parts of the the, uh, Bible, and then they had midrashes. They had these stories and truths to explain and fill in gaps. But a Jewish midrash about the Red Sea story brings, uh, brings about 
over time, this first hymn has been parsed and translated much like most of the Psalms, which are a lament. There's, there's joy and there's sadness in this. Um, it starts from the way the Israelites are told to rejoice at Passover, as you might expect. This is a midrash talking about the, this, this text. Um, and explains that the angels wanted to rejoice at the Red Sea, but God told them not to. My handiwork, the Egyptians are drowning in the sea. Would you recite song before me? And then they throw in the proverb, do not gloat at the fall of your enemy. Do not gloat over the fall of your enemy. So as the people of God have parsed and translated over this, this, this psalm, over the years, they breathe back into it what's in, I think it's like 80% of the Psalms are lament. And there's joy and there's sadness. In my personal study, I've been reading through Ezra. And I came across this. And I think it's helpful. Um, once again, the folk of, um, I'm going to have a heck of a time finding Ezra. Because this thing doesn't have two bookmarks. Poor, poor Pastor Jason. Okay, everybody go, ah. Okay. It's after Chronicles. I remember Chronicles. Where's Chronicles? Somebody look up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hold on a second. Read the first and second Samuel. After Kings, perfect. Thank you very much. And then Ezra, right? I remember because I breathed a new, it breathed new life in me as I finished Second Chronicles. Because there's just Chronicles, it gets a little weighty. Um, but we're cruising, and we're in Chronicles, Ezra, chapter three, and I'm going to read verses ten through the end. And once again, the people have lost the scroll. They've they've forgotten what worshiping is about, and they've. They've had their troubles, and um, this is what happens. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, so they start laying the foundation for the place where they're going to worship God. Um, And their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets. And the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals according to the directions of King David of Israel, And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people responded with a shout, with a great shout. And they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house in its foundations, wept, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house. Though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout 
from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard from far away. With this first psalm, we're, we're learning what hymns are about, what praising God is about. And it's about praising God for surgeries on eardrums that went well. And it's about praying right out of the gate, like I mentioned earlier, Terry, praying for the people that are so down on their luck that they have to rob a big lots. It's about coming together as a people, and it happens to be in this space right now, with those like shouts of praise and shouts of, I can barely make my way in here because cancer's taking another friend. Or, you know, I'm tired of the battle. And it's about getting all of that in the same room and getting our eyes off of ourselves and off of our struggles, off of our praises, and putting it on the God that brings us through both. The God who is in charge of your highs and your lows and teaches us about himself through both. If you keep reading, the women start singing. And what else do the women do? They start dancing. (laughs) They probably couldn't pop and lock like myself could. Uh, But they start dancing. All bets are off. Worshiping the Lord means getting out of the mirror, getting out of the looking at yourself and getting your life and putting all of it in God. Applications. Are you noticing the victories? And if you are, are you praising God about them or just saying, oh, that was awesome? Are you turning those moments of victory into worship sessions? Are you giving God alone the praise? Are you taking some of the credit? God really used me right there. The key part of that is God. He could have used anybody. <laughs> you know, we find out in the Bible he uses donkeys. Like he, he uses anything. And then for those of us that just limped in here today, take comfort. God sees the evil that seems to be winning. He sees you. You just need to be still. Be still. Hand it over to the God that took care of the Egyptians. He's going to take care of Satan. He can handle it. It's going to be okay. He can handle it. Take comfort in God. Let's pray.
as we come together as broken and both, both, both broken folk currently and celebratory people currently. Mingle us together like only you can. Take our pain and transform it into victory. Take our victories and transform it into praises and worships of you and you alone. And all God's children said, as we continue in worship, we give God back just a portion of what he's so richly blessed us with. We also enter into our adventure with him. And so this is the part of the service where we receive tithes and offerings. For those listening on the podcast, please send your gifts, tithes, and offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128. Costa Mesa, California, 92628. For those of us that are here, you can leave them in the offering plates as you exit the sanctuary. But this morning's tithes and offerings are now received.
to the Philippians, he instructed them, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We now come to that time in our worship when we make our needs known to God and we look for the peace that comes from having placed our cares in his hands. Pray with me. We thank you, O God, that your presence abides with us. We rejoice in the truths that Christ died to make known. We pray with the assurance that you know of our needs before we utter the words. We thank you that you call and name us Christians in Christ's church. Make us worthy servants in his name. Empower us by your spirit so that we can witness to your commandments, your reconciliation, your righteousness, and your peace. Bless and encourage all who invest themselves in your work through the church, visiting the sick and aged, teaching classes, maintaining the property, answering phones, keeping accounts, paying bills, making music, and doing committee work. Touch each of us to reach out and be a part of the ministry of this church. We thank you for the democracy by which we govern ourselves. how it is possible for even the least of voices to be heard. Bless our president, the cabinet, and members of Congress that they may transcend political interests for the good of this republic and indeed of all the world. We pray today for the financial situation of our nation for the costs that keep increasing for everyday needs, for the talks of inflation. We pray for those with limited incomes that they may find ways to make ends meet and provide for themselves and their families. We pray for the many homeless who come to our church doors daily 
that their situations may improve. God of peace, we pray for the Ukraine and its struggles to defeat the enemy. We pray that Putin's suggestions about nuclear weapons may be just blustering. Pray for peace for these war-weary people. We pray for all who have been hit by Hurricane Fiona and are now feeling its wrath. Protect the East Coast from Puerto Rico into Canada. Send them relief as the storm passes and protect the Florida areas where the next one is headed. Caring God, you carry those without strength. We lift up for your special touch today, friends and loved ones who are ill or struggling or unhappy. In your love, restore to health and strength those who are suffering. Be with Charlotte DeMott as she recovers from surgery and give her complete healing. Grant healing, patience, and peace to all who look to you in faith. Grant health to all who are sick in body, mind, or spirit. Comfort those who mourn. Hear us now as we name in silent those who are dear to us. Give us the mind of Christ as we look upon our neighbors. Use us to be your hands and your presence to them. Come to us, O Christ, in this hour of worship. Send forth fresh fresh courage to us, and then send us forth in full confidence to do your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now would you please stand for the singing of our sending hymn.
Danny, would you come up here for a second? And would everybody in your pews reach for your pew Bible? There's an NIV Bible somewhere near you. And look up Psalm 121. Boom. And I think it's just because I have, you know, a near-death experience yesterday. And also, I've been studying a lot of the Old Testament. I want us to end a little different. Um, and then once you've found it, and the way you find it is usually you look in the middle. And that's that you either open up the Psalms or Isaiah. It's page 650. Or you look at the bottom and there's a page numbers, 650. That's not right. <laughs> 666 on this one. I guess there's different pew Bibles. So that's something we could work out too. <laughs> we got plenty of situations around here. Now, this is a psalm of ascent, and the people of God, Hebrews, would say this. It was a response of reading for people that were going on a journey. And the first three verses are for the person that's leaving to read. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to miss him. Danny, he's going to be on a, he rarely takes a break off, right? You're here every time, and it's ridiculous. It's awesome. Um, but he's about to go on a journey. He's going to read the first three verses. Actually, it's two. Psalm, Psalm 121. And he's going to read the first two. And then we are going to read responsively verses three through eight. That's, and that's going to be our benediction, actually, over him and over ourselves, okay? And Danny's, yeah, a big theatrical loud voice inside. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It is not. There, there it is. It kind of worked. You're not supposed to read it. We're reading it over you. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll give us a benediction on top of a benediction. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind today, tomorrow, forevermore. May it be so. And have a safe trip. Thank you. Amen.